Great to see everybody today. How are you doing? There's eight people that are good. I, I know it's rainy, it's spring, it's cold, and you'd rather it was sunny and nice. I get it, for sure. It is, it's a privilege to share with you today. We are, if, if, even if you're a guest here today, we're in a series that's called Holy Fire. Holy Fire. And my message title today uh, is The Promise. In this series, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the significance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, we reflect on the fact that there was some very significant days, 50 days in between Easter and Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was poured out and Jesus making it possible. He said, I'm going to send an advocate, a helper, comforter, teacher. Before I go, I have to go so he can come. And I'm going to send him to you. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. We want to talk about that promise today. And in these 50 days, we said as a church, hey, let's, let's seek him to know him more intimately. You see, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And as Christians, we want to know God more personally, more intimately, as he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he wants to teach us. He wants to lead us. The Spirit wants to lead us in our lives. We don't have to go walking through this life blindly or unsure or fearful, but him residing within us powerfully to help us live successfully and overcome and live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. There's so much more of him available to you and I on a day-to-day -day basis, and we don't often take advantage of that which has been offered to us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, him bursting forth from inside of us the way he desires to do so. And so we gave the 50-day challenge. Get to know him better. Spend some time alone, quietly. Seek him and know him, the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. There's God the Father. There's God the Son, Jesus. And then there's the third person, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the other person of God in the Trinity that comes to live within people who make a decision to serve God and have faith. He comes and resides in their lives. It's a very exciting combination that God had in store so that literally there would be some heaven on earth within our own lives and we would have power to live now. Live now, live now, okay? So the promise of the Father, it says in Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. You stay and you wait to be clothed with power from on high. And, and we've been talking about how Jesus is the one who comes and baptizes people in the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened at Pentecost. I have a quote here from Corey Tenboom. She said this. She said, let God's promises shine on your problems. Yeah, come on. Let God's promise shine on your problems. Let his promise shine on your problems. If you don't know who Corey Tenboom was, she was one who survived German concentration camps. Some of her family died, lost their lives. And she served to rescue many people or hide many people from being captured. She faced a lot of problems in her life. She speaks with a great deal of authority as a Christian believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Says, and saying to us today, let God's promise let his promise, 
Let the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit shine on your problems. You see, no matter what you're facing today, the Holy Spirit is here. He's ready to explode power inside you, helping you overcome every human problem that you will ever face in your life. I get a mm-hmm. Can I have an amen? amen. It's true. There's that uh, charismatic church thing for you that was talked about earlier. We're an expressive people because we're excited, but we're thankful, and we believe the Holy Spirit is here with us right now. And he's speaking, and he's speaking through what has been said already. My first point is this. The promise is for the problem. The promise is for the problem. You see, we have a condition. We have a, a problem. The problem is our weakness and our flaws. We have this other thing that's going on. Even as we become Christians, we still have an old nature, a carnal nature. But we have a new nature in Christ that is spirit-led and spirit-empowered. Which one are we going to listen to? You see, because we're very inclined naturally to listen to our own ideas and our own ways, and we're very self-sufficient, if you hadn't noticed. We're so capable of so much. We're intelligent, okay? We're learned people. We can find things out. We can just go to Google. Yeah. You know, the answers are there. But you see, our human power and ability kind of causes us to get off track as Christians oftentimes depend on ourselves and depend on, instead of depending on He, the Holy Spirit, who is a supernatural power that is living within us, who said, I'm going to give you the promise of power and He's going to live within you every day. Just a few weeks ago. And you may think, well, this is silly, but I, He's going to be involved in as much as you want to involve in it. I bought this part for one of our vehicles because it stopped. Something stopped working, and I, 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 I left. I left the automotive store in in buyer's remorse. And I'm a bit of a fix-it guy, so I'm like, well, that's probably what it is. After all, I googled it and uh, spent my my dollars, and I was too busy. Didn't get time to deal with it, and really didn't need the four by four mechanism. Right now, the snow's gone, and. Um, one day I was just like, I haven't had time. So I just said, God, what's wrong with this thing? I, I think it's this, but is it? I asked him. I don't know why I didn't ask him before. Yeah. Well, because I'm self-sufficient. That's why I'm figuring it out. I got Google, right? Yeah. He said, check the fuse. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a $1.69 fuse. I put it in in the parking lot. The lights went on, the motor word that changed the, to four-wheel drive. That easy. I brought the, actually in faith, here's what I did. I brought the part back first and returned it, got my cash back. And then I went out in the parking lot and I put it in and I, I did. I said, thank you, God. He knows everything. You think he cares about stuff like that? He cares about anything and everything that you care about talking to him about. The promise is for your problems. But he's also for your power. He's also for your life and all these things. If you to overcome self-dependency and your human impossibilities, leading you spiritually into what is possible for him on so many levels. Just think about what you need and help from God in relationships today. Help from God to overcome 
sin and temptation in your life these guys talked about today or that we talked about. And thank you for your transparency because there's our story. Let me read a story to you from scriptures in Matthew 19, 16. It's about a self-reliant wealthy guy, rich young ruler. It says, just then a man came to Jesus and he asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? See, that sounds like us. We'll just do another good thing, you know, a good work, a good deed. We're great. Now we have favor with God. No, no, no. You have favor with God before that. It's not based on what you do. It's based on faith in Jesus. That's right. That's favor. That's his favor. On whom his favor rests. Because of Jesus and your faith in him. Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired, and Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you think that Jesus mentioned all the commandments? He kind of at the end there, he tagged in the one that fulfills it all. Love God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbors. He kind of stopped. He's like, he could have gone through all the law and all the things, but there was a new, there was a new day. Jesus was ushering in new covenant. So the young ruler says, all those I have kept, the young man said. Here's a great question. That in your pursuing to know the Holy Spirit, to know God, ask him that. Can you see it on the screen? Ask him that. What's it say? Ask him. It's a it's it's a bold, faith filled, courageous question to ask God. Now it's one thing to say, "What's wrong with my four wheel drive?" You know, it's the fuse. I tell you, he's going to point out your fuse. Yeah, that's right. Come on. What do I still lack? Everyone take this seriously. Honestly. Honestly. He wants to share it with you, and nobody else is listening. You're listening. I'm listening. So so you don't have to be shy. You don't have to be embarrassed, worried. Somebody might know what he might just tell you right in that moment. What do I still Lack. You might want to write that down somewhere. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Kind of in that order. He's pointing at the man's self-sufficiency. You say, oh, this isn't really about me, Pastor Mitch, because I'm not that wealthy young ruler. I'm not even young or wealthy. But that's pointing to us and our self-sufficiency. <coughs> our depending on ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I want to have my cake and eat it too. Yeah. And he's pointing to the very thing that I still lack that he still lacks. So it's an example for us. This man happens to be, it happens to be him depending on his wealth. Okay? 
If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He went away. That's you and I, like, privately. What do I still lack? You need a fuse. That's the answer. Nah. I'll go put this other thing in. Okay. Okay. He lets you. He lets me spend those several hundred dollars on that instead of what I really needed. But I'm not talking about parts for a car, am I? I'm talking about what our heart needs. Right. And what he is showing us. Mm-hmm. I don't think he wants us to go away sad and continue in depression or shame or guilt. Yeah. I appreciated that about those of you who shared today. Yeah. Like yeah. the freedom from shame and guilt and yeah. the, the hiding and not wanting this part of my life to be seen or getting away. Like, you, we don't, there's nothing that we get away with. We get away with it, but it's not like God doesn't see and know all things. Right. But for those who love God, mm. he's called you to obedience, to obey the commandments of God, to walk with him because you love him and he died for you just for the very sin that you're tempted and giving way to. So he's given us the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit for our problem. He's given us power for our problem. He's given us power to overcome our problem, our weakness. Truly, I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard for someone who's self-reliant, someone who's capable, intelligent, shrewd, in control of what they want, powerful, resourceful. It's hard for people like that. That's my words. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Kind of like harder for a self-reliant, self-capable, I'm going to do it my way person that we all have the tendency to be. It's going to be harder. It's going to be hard to get into heaven. Lest we have the promise working on that problem and we look at it transparently and honestly and are listening to him and we know him. Because he's helping us live and overcome. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and they asked, who then can be saved even? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The promises for our human problem, our carnal nature, our self-sufficiency. So what do you still lack? What do you still lack? He wants to help you. Let God's promise, as Corey Ten Boom said, shine on your problem. Holy Spirit, today as we sit here, shine on the problems in our lives, plural. Shed some light of your glory on them, we pray. Point number two is the Holy Spirit is the promise. The Holy Spirit is the promise. He is the promise. In Acts 1, verse 4 to 5, it says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that baptism of the Holy Spirit was a baptism 
of power. It was a power, you say, and it was a power to witness. Notice that power is relative to a witness to people. Now, that's telling them the gospel, sharing with them, preaching, sharing our lives. But you know that your lives are under the magnifying glass of every person, every Christian that you know, every family member that you're engaged with in your family, every person that you meet when you go to work, every person that you work side by side with, your neighbor, everyone. Power to be a witness. In other words, to show forth the glory of God of your life that it's very evident that you are who you say you are. Holy fire, he's, 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 he's refining. And, and, and by the power, this power, you receive power in your lives to be, to witness all this, to be this witness and to witness to people who I am. All of it, all of it. Don't minimize it, all of it, all of it. The promises for power. And some people say, well, promises, promises. You're right, you're out there, it's a family picnic and somebody just squirted you with a squirt gun and somebody comes running with a bucket of water to you say, I promise I won't throw it on you. Don't, don't, don't. No, I promise I won't. Will you? I mean, there's a trust factor that comes in here. But we trust in the living God, do we not? Trust me to keep my promise to you. All this human experience that we have about promises, and we think promise of the Father. Like, I don't know. My my promises for my father, you know, they never came through. So why would I? Well, we're not talking about a natural father. We're talking about a supernatural father, a father in heaven. And it's a gracious gift. You know, W.E. Vine says this. He said, a promise is a gift graciously bestowed, not a pledge secured by negotiation. I'll read that again. A promise is a gift graciously bestowed. Graciously bestowing the Holy Spirit. Not a pledge secured by negotiation. Not some kind of, you know, I do this, you do that. No. No. We don't negotiate for this. We're in Christ and it's for us. It's a gift from God, graciously bestowed. The promise is from the Father. In Romans 8, verse 14 to 17, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you a slave or slaves so that you live in fear again. Boy, I'm slowing down on purpose here. We get this wrong. We lose the fact that we're children and we slip our, let ourselves be controlled into slavery again or coming under the burden of of sin controlling us and letting guilt control us and shame control us instead of, hey, wait a minute. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. I'm one of his kids. He's he's not like, you know, we we have this idea. We're we're like, we're like, well, you've just lost your worth because you messed up. Devil says that, but I'm a dad. My kids mess up all the time. My grandkids mess up. Man, I love them more. And I'm a natural father. How much more so does our father in heaven love us and has made a provision for us to actually live this overcomer lifestyle by being led of the spirit, 
Those who are led of the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, we cry, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Right? Who's your Daddy? Right? The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Testifies to us. That's why, that's why I'm appealing. We're appealing in these messages we've been preaching. Man, Vivek rocked it last week. You know, go read Romans 8 again with the eyes on this. Powerful. Okay? Well, here's some of Romans 8 again. But testifies. When we draw near to God, His Spirit testifies to us that we are children of God. We're reminded. The Father's love just kind of goes, lavishes on us. It's like, hey, I'm your dad. Cry out to me. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. You know what an heir is? They're, they're the ones that get the inheritance. The inheritance that's for you in Christ. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God, the Father, and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, we don't always read the last part here, in order that we may also share in his... We share in the sufferings. That's very much a part of it. But what about sharing in the glory? How about that side of it? It's both. It's both. So, it, we're heirs. It's interesting. My um, When I was 13, my father, who was a golfer, we have any golfers here today? Hey, right on. A couple of them. My dad bought me my first set of golf clubs. I still remember the bag was orange, Brian. Cool, eh? Brown and orange. But anyways, vinyl, nice shiny golf clubs in there. And my dad loved golf, and he loved me, and he wanted me to be a golfer. So I got golf clubs. They they look great in my bedroom. They spent a lot of time in my bedroom because I didn't have the same passion for golf that my dad had. But he was patient. He was patient. Come on, let's go. Oh, okay. Nah, I'm no good at this. Can't hit the ball straight. Well, you're just beginning. You're just beginning. Keep at it. Keep using this. You know, it's interesting. I've never bought a set of golf clubs in my lifetime. Because then my dad bought me and I started golfing. And the more I golfed, I got a little bit better. Not near as good as you, but but I enjoyed it. Right, Roger? And, and you know, I dropped it on the green a few times and even got in the hole the odd time. Started to enjoy it. My dad buys me another set of golf clubs, and now I'm an adult. I'm like, it's not really my priority, but it's fun. I'm living the inheritance of, of my father's dream and desire for me to be a great golfer. Which I've never been a great golfer, but I'm mediocre. Then, at some point when he couldn't golf anymore, yeah. do you know what he did? He gave me his golf clubs. He gave me his great, I don't have, they're beautiful. And, and, and it's, now it's a little older technology, but man, I play even better with his golf clubs. Let me tell you this story. There's a promise. And you're heirs of the promise. Right, come on, come on. 
And you're a child of God. And he has this dream of, of your success and your future being so walking in so much power and so much ability. And, and he's relentless to make sure that the inheritance just keeps getting better and just keeps getting better. And he's on your team. He's on your side. He's your father. He's your father. And he wants to help you. And he wants, he, you know, he's patient with you. As my father was patient with me. My father didn't make me golf. And your father in heaven does not make you listen intimately and walk in an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. But he appeals to you and he's talking to you even today. Because he loves you. He wants you to be so saturated. And that was one of the messages that I preached. So saturated with him. If water baptism saturates you with a water that represents the washing away of sin and rising to a new life, then what do you think the promised baptism of the Holy Spirit does? Other than a saturation with the grace of him who lives within you, giving you power, overflowing power to live a victorious life. Why holy fire? Refining you. Correcting you, adjusting you, teaching you, shaping you, molding you to become the best golfer. No, the Christian, the son and daughter of God that he has called you to be. Somebody say amen. To live a victorious life. How about that? What's a victorious life? What's a victorious life? Well, I've never gotten the blue ribbon. I never got first place. Hold on. We're not striving here. We're obeying. We're yielded to him and we're obeying because we want his will more than our will. His will more than our will. So now we're saying, what do I, because I want your will more than mine, what do I still lack? I know you love me. Like you're just going to keep buying me golf clubs. Nice ones. I am in the line of inheritance. What do I still lack? Show me. Yeah. Do you want to be perfect? Because yeah. he is, he's, you know, be perfect as I'm perfect. I mean, as perfect as can be, but why not appeal to ask the one who's perfect to show you through his word what still needs to be perfected in you? What a beautiful journey. But then we look at the world and we're distressed. We look inside of us and we're depressed. And then we look to God, our Father, and we're at rest. It's true. Let his promise shine on the problem. Let his promise, let the Holy Spirit shine on all the problems. He will be faithful. The promise has been offered to you. In Acts 2, verse 32, verse 39, that's point number three, the promise has been offered to you. It says, God has raised his Jesus to life. We are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he's poured it out on what you now see and hear. And this is what was happening right at Pentecost. Here it is, right in the scripture. Acts 2, go read Acts 2, you have been. For David did not ascend to heaven, And yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Therefore, let all all Israel be assured of this. 
God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. You remember, if you're in Christ today, if you receive Jesus as your Lord, you remember being cut to the heart. And you'll remember subsequent moments in your life when the voice of the Holy Spirit said something and brought to your attention what you lacked. And you were cut to the heart. And that Holy Spirit, He, the Holy Spirit, is still at work within you. And I pray today about the things that He has brought to your mind and to your attention. And from these testimonies that were shared so transparently, cut to the heart. God is a redeeming God. He's redemptive. He wants to save you from your sin. He wants to help you have victory. The winner's circle. Yeah, not like, well, last week wasn't the winner's circle. No, get that behind you. Overcome that. Move forward in him. Here's how. It says, so they're cut to the heart. Brothers, what shall we do? Again, more questions. You say, what shall I do? And then Peter replied, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent. Continue to repent. And he he spoke it here, the order's there. Be a person who repents of their sin, receive Jesus as that only provision for that sin. Turn from sin. Be baptized in water once. Don't need it ten times or even two. But go live it, being led of the Spirit to overcome. Because here's what I want to do. I have a promise for your problems. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. And not just for you. It's for your children. And for all who are far off. And all on whom the Lord our God will call. Not just for you. But for your children. And people that are far off. For your children. And you get to walk in it today. And they get to watch you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit today and overcome. You and I can go from what is impossible in human strength to what is possible in supernatural strength or Holy Spirit power. But you see the repentance is pending. It's a conversation about repentance. It's a, what do I still lack? And it's a reflection. It begins to show you your sin. He wants to instruct you in all of life. What should I do at work today when this person says that? How should I respond to this person in my life that's angry with me? All of the above. He wants us to be those that are overcoming sin and not even where we're not even sinning in our imagination and we just go, wait a minute, that's not thinking on things that are good and praiseworthy or noble or worth thinking about. Why would I entertain that? That's not going to help me. God takes us from glory to glory to glory to glory. The change in the power of the Holy Spirit, he changes our mind through the washing of the water of the word as we meditate on it. We hide it in our heart, as David said, so that we will not sin against him. And you need that word in your heart every single day like bread from heaven because it is the Holy Spirit that uses that word and calls it to your mind so that it can be renewed and washed, and then the power of the Holy Spirit kicks in the gear. Help me, Lord, to overcome so that I can test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, perfect will. The Holy Spirit, working in the power of the word, is the combo. It is the combo. 
And it absolutely works, and it's the key to victory, but it takes surrender. It takes yielding to God. God isn't asking you to figure it all out. He is asking you to trust him that he already has it all figured out. The big step is receive the promise, but he said, wait for it. But we're the people that won't watch the video to the end. And somebody said, watch it to the end. Wait for it. Wait for it. And then at minute six and a half, there's a second of, oh, that's what happens. Patience is a virtue. Patience, our waiting is a step of faith on our behalf. Saying, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. There's something you want to show me. He said, and he made a huge appeal to them. They were right at Pentecost. Jesus said, he says, you go, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't go away. Don't leave Jerusalem, but go and wait for my promise, for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise. Solomon talked about this in Proverbs 8. He said, listen to my instruction. Be wise. Don't disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Evidently, there's a doorway. His doorway. <clears throat> Why don't you go push it open and see what will come through it? Right, come on. Who is it that you seek? Yeah. Who is it that you're waiting for? Let me wrap up with this. I'm going to call the worship team to come. Here's the promise about receiving the promise. This is the promise about receiving the promise. And it's about going to the door and what will happen. I find this very exciting because I can, I'm smiling as I tell you this because this has been my experience. I know it's true. I know the one who promised it is incapable to lie. It's not possible. He is faithful. Account God is faithful and able to perform what he has promised. That's faith, right? So I'm talking, if I'm talking to people here that have faith, then this is true and guaranteed. It's absolute. And God said it. So here we have it. James 4 verse 8. It says, talks about the waiting. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. He's not he come near. Go to his door. It all started with him knocking on the door of your heart. Hey, hey, I'm here, and I love you. I know, I know you've sinned a lot, and you're not worthy of my love and forgiveness, but... I'm offering it because it's the only way you can be saved. I love you so much. My son, my daughter, come and walk with me. I'm willing to forgive you. It started with him knocking. Now he's like, no, you come near to me and I'm going to come near to you. And it continues as the holy fire of God in the Holy Spirit continues. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. If you're guessing and doubting, you're not going to. What keeps you away is shame and guilt and, and our sin. 
So he says, repent. Repent so times of refreshing can come. Return to the Lord in Acts 3.19. Come on, come to me. You see, revival isn't God moving so much as us moving to God. Revival is not so much as God moving to moving. It's us moving to him. You want personal revival, personal encounter, personal moving in your life to change you powerfully from the inside out. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Amen? Amen. That's what we get to do. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing a closing song, then I'm going to come and close.